Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments. This is episode 69. We're nearly at the uh, big 70. Actually, let me just make sure that this is... No, actually, I take that back. We are at 70. Um, plowing through the podcast, of course. Again, if anybody would like to see any particular topics discussed, I'm getting quite a few emails. Uh, this one, uh, we actually discuss closing costs. Uh, well, not closing costs, the actual closing process. Um, so uh, that was a request from Bruce up in Canada. If anybody else has any other requests, let me know, uh, and I will find experts to go over those particular topics. So today we're going to be talking to David Carr. Uh, David, if you guys remember, uh, owns the franchise of Cold War Bankers in Hako. He's been in the area for many, many years. He's very knowledgeable. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just if you're by looking at doing anything in the Central Pacific area, about an hour and a half from San Jose, uh, he's your guy. So all of his contact details will be in the description below. Um, remember, guys, um, please give uh, the thumbs up and review this podcast uh, as much as you can, kind of spread the word. Um, we are seeing a, you know, I would say an exponential growth in the number of people listening to this. Um, I think we're probably about to hit 50,000 downloads probably by about next week. Uh, it's just it's just picking up and picking up. And a lot of you actually reaching out to me Um because I offer some consulting services to help people find what that there is that it's looking for. Um, of course, I work basically for you, um, but I am not a realtor, as I mentioned to people. I uh, again, I don't chase commissions. You do basically pay me as a consultant, but that makes sure it, that makes basically make sure that I'm on your side of the transaction. So I'm always looking at exit strategy, understanding your lifestyle, and really what it is that you're looking for. So anyone that wants to contact me, you can info at investingcostarica.com. Even if you want a chat uh, or you're looking to relocate down here and want my advice, uh, again, I've been down here for 17 years, bought, sold, developed all over Costa Rica uh, and also managed Costa Rica's largest luxury travel company. Well, owned it. Um, you can contact me again, info at investingcostarica.com. But let's get straight into it with David. Good morning, David. How are you? Good morning. How's it going? Good. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you've become a lot busier since you've taken over the Coldwell Banker franchise over there in Hacko. So I appreciate you making the time. For sure. Always, always like doing the podcast with you, Richard. So I'm excited to chat, kind of talk shop. Let's talk shop. So, you know, um, I'm starting to see signs, you know, the markets are kind of cooling off a little bit. Um, you know, I saw gold, you know, gold and commodities are through the roof at the moment. This, you, you know, Russia invasion of Ukraine, it's taking a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a hit to the stock markets. But like, is the market slowing down at all since we last talked? And like, again, are prices rising? I mean, what's happening in the market at the moment? Yeah, in the Central Pacific area, it's definitely still active, right? Um, and inventory just becomes an issue every month more and more. We're, we're seeing the, the amount of buyers is outpacing any sort of new sellers coming on the market. So it's still plenty active. Um, we do have you know, some people that have maybe paused a little bit or starting to maybe bring up things like the market and world conditions like with what's going on in Russia. So, but for the most part, it hasn't really slowed things down. Um, I think what I, at least in our area, what I'm kind of seeing a little bit of causing some slowdown is more because of the inventory yep. where you have people saying, oh man, that's all I have available. They want to buy and they're still interested, but it's like, oh, I can't find what I'm looking for. So I think I'm going to kind of pause and wait there was in the, in the Hako area, I think there was a final kind of run 
of some of that good inventory left yep. where that kind of people, people moved quickly on it. And now it's, oh shoot, not much left. So I think you have a little bit of that. Random question, um, you know, because I always kind of keep my head to the ear to the ground and we often chat. The Tresbury Gallus property that you had and then also the one up over there in Los Sueños, which is a great price. Are they still available, both of them? They are. So there are still some sneaky deals out there. Yep. And and it seems like where those values are, are the, the ones where you aren't getting the great ocean view, right? Yep. So if you can kind of settle and sacrifice that, you can get great value. But I mean, Tres Regalos, you can open your door and listen to the ocean. Exactly. I mean, 30 units. I mean, you just walk right there. You're enjoying the beach. You're enjoying that beach living. Yep. 259 for a three bedroom. Yeah. I mean, I've stayed there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Under it's under 200 a square foot for furnished beachfront property. And they rent, they rent pretty well as well. Rent fine. I mean, it really hits all the boxes. But again, the, the Costa Rican buyer, for the most part, is very picky, right? They, they're, they, have a, they have a standard. They have a dream. They're, they're coming down here thinking that, oh, I want this. And it's very hard for a lot of those buyers to make those concessions and, yep. and sacrifice some things. So, um, but with where the market is, that's what's going to have to happen. I mean, yeah. you are just going to have to, and, and much like in the States, right? If you're in the States or Canada, you don't have the luxury of getting to choose everything on your wish list. You're just kind of happy that you can even find a property um, yeah. and you win the bid, so to speak, right? So here, I think that's where we're at and, and getting people to transition to that understanding and that expectation. Yeah, I'm wondering if we were about to see a bit of a uh, kind of wait period here before more stuff kind of starts to come online, which could take a year or two, um, you know, while permissions are given, studies are done, you know, because again, there was that like stop, then that craziness and everyone's like, now I need to start planning to build stuff here or et cetera. So that's going to take a while to kind of catch up. Yeah, for sure. And and the one thing too, that I would I would aid, like aid caution on certain people thinking is people that now with the stock market that you brought up with yep. Russia, some people are saying, oh, we might be on interest rates. I, I see things going backwards. We're going to go on a recession here. And I think those people are going to be, I, I think they're doing themselves an injustice by thinking that with our market. If they're thinking that six months from now, we're going to go backwards, I really don't foresee don't that. that. Yeah. And I want to remind people that this is a cash market. So if the stock market goes down, if you know inflation keeps up, if anything, that only is going to justify some of these prices going up. And I think yeah. what's going to happen is when the new construction kicks in and these higher prices to build kicks in, some of this existing inventory that is below replacement costs, people are going to say, what are we doing? Right? Yeah. What am I doing selling for 200 square foot when, when people can't build for that or replace it that? Yeah. So, yeah. How often are you seeing people buying land and building at the moment in Central Pacific? And in, in our area, it's not as common. Yeah. Um, it, it's just really hard to make it work um, because of, I think, the permitting and 
the logistics of infrastructure and the parcels and the price of dirt on top of it. Yeah. It's pretty hard. I mean, we're, we're definitely getting interest in it and definitely some people are going at it, but um, by and large, it's not a huge play. It should be. It looks like there's an opportunity to do that. You know, the Southern Pacific areas, Uvita Dominical or Hachau has a lot of that going on. You know, the Northern areas of Guanacaste as well. In a lot of residential condominium complexes, you know, um, developments that have agricultural parcels, that kind of stuff. It just doesn't seem to be that much of a thing, you know, in, in the Central Pacific at the moment. It isn't. And I think it's just the, the nature of our, our parcels, right? I think down south, you have those ready, right? You have an ocean view lot that you could build tomorrow. It's good to go. We don't have those as much where, yeah, you can buy some land, but you're going to have to probably do some road work to get it ready. You're going to have to we'll do talk. some leg work to get the water ready. You're going to have to do all these things. And actually what they're doing now down south is now they're getting to the point where they're selling the, the pre-construction house on it, right? Yeah. Where it's like, here's the designs, we're ready to go. You're going you're gonna to just pay for the house to be built, wait six months or a year, whatever it is, and we'll deliver it to you. Yeah. Well, let's change subjects a little bit. You know, a while back, um, uh, a listener, Bruce, uh, contacted me and wanted to kind of go through kind of the closing process a little bit more. And so I wanted to cover that in today's, you'll be kind of the main focus of today's podcast here. But in you, I mean, what are the, at a very high level, what are the kind of the main steps? And then let's jump into kind of more of the details of each step. But I mean, what, what would you say the main steps are? So really the, the first step is what, once you find the right property, it's making that offer. So once you make that offer, it's pretty simple. It's typically with a you know, simple purchase offer or you know, letter of intent. And then once you reach an agreement and enter contract, that's really when you get to work. When you say uh, enter contract, you mean like a sales purchase agreement has been signed? Correct. Correct. So that's once, once you got that agreed by both parties, right? That's when you're going to commit the attorney. Um, that's when you're going to typically open escrow, assuming escrow is involved, maybe hire an inspection, really begin with that due diligence. So um, often due diligence can be 15 to 30 days. That's typically what we work around. Um, and that's the time where you're going to just, you come to Jesus, you check your title, check the property, make sure everything is good and that you're going to proceed with this. Yeah. So that's your window for, for all of that. And then after that due diligence, you're, you're basically going to be committed with some sort of hard deposit at that point. Um, and again, typically we're working with escrow, um, that deposit is going to be held in escrow funds then will be, uh, placed in escrow prior to closing. And, um, it's, it's pretty smooth process from there. I mean, the attorneys are really us as realtors. We're just really the ones facilitating everything, making sure everyone's following up things of that nature. Yep. Well, I mean, look, I mean, let's just jump in. I mean, the offer is pretty simple. Again, I'm offering you X amount, you know, <clears throat> we'll close on this date. Will you, you know, you kind of accept that, you know, usually the offer can sometimes be verbal, you know, it can be, a, as you mentioned there, like a letter of intent, you know, and sometimes you just jump straight into the sales purchase agreement. You don't even go, you know, for the offer, you just jump straight into the sales purchase agreement. Sometimes, you know, personally, when I'm working with clients, I like to figure out kind of where we're at on stuff. Uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, which one's kind of necessary, you know, because sometimes it's just like, well, I might as well just forget the offer and go straight to the sales purchase agreement. 
And the sales purchase agreement, of course, is quite a few, can be a couple of pages long. Um, and I mean, that's where you're going backwards and forwards, right? For the most part, yeah. Getting getting the terms um, back and forth, right? Oh, we want a little bit longer for due diligence. Oh, we want to close on this date and things of, things of that nature. Who's, plays, who's paying closing costs? What's necessary in order for the escrow to go hard, potentially? Does the escrow go hard? Can we pull up, can the buyers pull out at any moment? You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a dance between the seller and the buyer, right? Yep, yep. You know, because I mean, I think we've probably seen deals where it's gone from everything of like, your deposit goes hard as soon as the sales purchase agreement is signed to like, I can get that deposit back at any moment that I want to. Yeah, and that brings up a good point that I think, you know, people maybe are unaware of or get confused on. So you again, we keep bringing up escrow. Escrow's the kind of the wild card in this situation. What has happened is that escrow has become complicated if the funds especially need to come to Costa Rica because then we need to adhere to international banking regulations. And that's burdensome. Um, it can take time to get a lot of the, the paperwork that they're requesting. So sometimes, for example, you'll have some realtors or some sellers that they'll be a little bit anxious, especially in a hot market. Well, they'll, they'll say, hey, Richard, um, okay, great. We've got a deal. But if you're serious, I need you to send a deposit, you know, even if it's an escrow, but I need you to send a deposit, put your money where your mouth is right away, right? I'm not going to wait 15 days or 30 days for you to send a deposit because you can be jerking me around. Which I think is fair, right? It shows commitment. It, it, absolutely. And I think most, most serious buyers aren't going to have a problem with that. The challenge is, however, going back to that escrow, if that deposit is held in escrow, it can take some time to open up escrow these days. Yeah. Escrows are backed up. Um, you might be as a buyer here in Costa Rica making that offer. You need to wait till you get back to the U.S. to start maybe getting some of that paperwork. So it, it presents a little bit of a challenge where we can't get a deposit in until we get the escrow in. And yeah. these days, escrow, I've, I've, had, I've had some cases where escrow is taking more than a month to be wow. open. That's insane. So yeah, exactly. I know if you're dealing with like investment groups or a corporation, you know, they need the articles of incorporation, they need them a posse, all that stuff. Like it gets really complicated. When you're dealing with an individual, Sometimes it's less complicated, but sometimes it's not. Again, it comes back to source of funds that they want to see. Um, you know, and that's while here in Costa Rica. So, I mean, I think if the buyer and the seller are not, they don't want the money in Costa Rica, there's no point in using a Costa Rican escrow. You might as well use something like TLA up in Texas or another type of escrow. Um, that's, yeah, and that's how most of us have pivoted. Yeah, you know. Uh, just because, again, it's just different because, again, the money's not leaving the state. So it just kind of flies around. You've just got an escrow service there. And I think most people that are buying property down here with cash have probably used escrow before. No. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. That's that's how the industry has shifted. Most of us are now using a U.S.-based escrow, which they don't have to comply for all that. And it's not as burdensome. So in that case, it's a lot easier. But it's definitely I, I think the the thing to convey to anyone listening is to understand that it's really a case-by-case -case basis. Yep. Some, some are going to be nice and easy. Some are going to be complicated because I think some people get frustrated when they might encounter that situation wow. and they just really, and, and that's something that I do. I, 
always really try to prep people for the next step. Okay, look, this, we're going to have to use escrow here in Costa Rica. This entails this, or, hey, we're going to have to have this kind of inspection, or, hey, we're going to have to request this from the municipality, which means this. So I think the key, especially for the American buyer, I would say that tends to be a little impatient and anxious sometimes yep. is really making sure that they understand those those next steps. Should you always use escrow is the question here, David, in your opinion? Um, I Not necessarily, right? I mean, I, I think that there are many times where we can bypass escrow. Um, a lot of times the escrow is really, to be honest, the, the most... The person that most wants to see escrow often is the seller yeah. because, I mean, we need a deposit. The buyer is not going to send a deposit straight to often straight to a seller. So, but a lot of times I encourage people to say, look, the deposit is not that important in my opinion. Yeah. What's important for me is for the buyer to spend energy and resources and hiring an attorney and hiring an inspection and doing all the hassle, the paperwork, for me, that demonstrates seriousness more yeah. so than a deposit. I, you know, I always get nervous because I hear of circumstances sometimes where the lawyer being used also has an escrow company as well. And that always kind of throws up some red flags for me, just because again, I'm always about separating concerns because you just never know. I mean, every so often, you know, one in a thousand cases you hear of some nightmare scenario, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, so I always like to kind of, I always advise people to kind of separate concerns on that one. So, I mean, have you had any experience with that? Um, do you think it's not an issue? I mean, what would be your advice for listeners? Um, not, not, not for years, right? In, in, yep. in the past, that used to be more common. You used to have even an attorney that would hold funds. Um, now, most attorneys understand they know they, they don't even know that they're not even willing to. Not unless they want to get into trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They most of them are savvy, and if 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 they're not advising against it, then that's probably a red flag. Yeah. Well, let's jump into due diligence a little bit because again, I think we've got through the steps of like the offer, which is kind of letter of intent, the sales purchase agreement, we've agreed terms, escrow has been set up. You provide all the due, all of the necessary kind of know your client information. You've put the deposit in there, you know, etc. Now we get to due diligence. I mean, typically, what are the steps in the due diligence phase? So a big part of that is really the attorney checking out title, liens, things of that nature. So they're basically doing the, the logistics of the property. If there's an HOA involved, if there's you know survey maps, things of that nature. Yep. So they're the one kind of handling that. And then the other big due diligence you know, in our market, we're a lot of condos, so we don't get as many of the inspections on condos, but especially on a house, you definitely want to have uh, a reputable person inspecting that home. Yep. Um, what's a little bit different here is that I think, uh, and, and again, this is something that people need to be aware of. In the U.S., often an inspection report means that if there's any sort of issues that those are going to be addressed. Here, you have a lot of these properties that have deferred maintenance. Yep. I mean, each property, sun, humidity, it is what it is. That doesn't necessarily mean an inspection report is going to give you the right to renegotiate or request every little minor item. Now, 
if there's a substantial issue, hey, the roof is about to fall through, um, hey, this electrical is, you're gonna get electrocuted, then obviously those are things to typically get addressed. But, yeah. you know, minor things, that, that doesn't, that usually is just more peace of mind and a list for you of things that you can do after the purchase. Yeah, I mean, I think that the due diligence is different if you're buying land, then you're buying a condo, then you're buying a home, of course. Again, you know, condo usually has maintenance. You know, you don't, some, majority of the time, you don't have common areas. I mean, there is, but they don't need to be looked at. But like, if you're buying a home, you potentially, again, you want a very deep home inspection. Um, you probably also want to just take a quick look at the survey as well. Maybe just have a topographer take a look that's, you know, someone's not built on some piece of your land or, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so yeah, that that's that's really it. I mean, yeah. and you're gonna find that out. I mean, often, often two weeks is substantial. Um, right now, with things being busy, sometimes yeah. a little bit more time because people are, are backed up. And then I would say, in cases of of land, uh, those those are usually gonna need a little bit more time than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm juggling chainsaws at the moment with three clients that have asked me to find them land and then they've made an offer. It got accepted after some heavy negotiation here with some uh, some locals, local farmers, which was interesting. Um, and then uh, again, you know, we, we had the topographers out this week. We've got the soil studies today, you know, of just, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, that everything's OK. That like, you know, people sometimes think, hey, I'm going to buy a piece of land. That's great. But if you've got to go six to eight meters down and put your foundations in, that could cost you a lot of money. You know, you could be looking at like ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars just on foundations. You know, on a home, uh, and that's again, that's what you don't see. It's kind of like an iceberg. Um, so it's important to do all of that due diligence. For sure, for sure. So, and 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 I always tell people, I'm like, look, whatever, whatever is your comfort level. Yep. So mo most sellers are going to typically be reasonable um, as long as there's good faith and they're showing that. The buyers are serious, um, but you know we're shifting a little bit with the market the way it is. Sellers are getting a little bit more antsy. Yep. They're becoming a little bit more um, in charge, right? Yep. Calling the shots. So it is definitely shifting a little bit in that regard. Yeah, yeah I mean, again, just jumping back to land and even the homes. You know, I mean, if there's a creek or a river close by, you probably want to get an invu study done just to see what the setback is from that as well. Because again, if someone's built within that setback, you could have an issue. I mean, the municipality could come back at any moment and tell you to knock that down. So, For sure. you know, so there's a lot of technicalities on that kind of stuff. And I'm, again, that's where you really need an expert to help you with that stuff. For sure. And, and then, you know, kind of continuing with that, right? So your due diligence, your closing process, yep. once we get to the closing process, usually those what, what you're going to get is a closing statement prior to uh, the closing. Usually that's going to be maybe a week before. And then both parties are going to see, yep, this is the amount. This is where funds are going. Um, then you fund your escrow. So the funds are ready, closing, they get dispersed exactly as agreed. Well, let me just ask a question there, because again, it's a question sometimes. Should I, if I don't live in this country, meaning that I'm just using a little vacation rental investment, should I have it in my name or a corporation's name? Great question. Um, I would say that for the most part, I still think that it's better to hold in a corporation. Um, it's a little bit, you, you've got some liabilities there that, that are protected. Um, and it's also a lot easier for state planning um, you know, for, for transitioning, if something happens to you, if you want to pass it on to kids, 
I, I just think for the minimal cost, it's yep. it's just better. Well, I mean, the other advantage is you can give someone a power of attorney to go and do something for you. Whereas if it's you as an individual, it's not so easy. You know, in a corporation, you know, the lawyer can write up a power of attorney pretty quickly. Um, so, I mean, services you, too, right? Yeah. Services are easier to get. I mean, yep. it's it's really yeah, the way now. to go. Yeah. yeah. And and so really, okay, what's the downside, right? Like, well, why why would I consider holding it in my name? And really, at the end of the day, it's just really costs. It's just yep. saving couple hundred dollars in, in corporate taxes for, uh, per year. And, you know, a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars for my court. So yeah. it's, it, it's pretty minimal for the level of investment that you're making that I just feel like it's, it's silly to, to not consider it. So, I mean, at closing, if it, if I'm putting the property in my name, of course, I'm going to have to be there. If it's in the name of a corporation, I could basically do a power of attorney and the notary could sign on my behalf. Correct. Correct. And, and that's what most people do. Often, I would say most of my, my clients are not here for closing. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's change gears a little. Well, let's just go, let me just summarize that. So typically we go with the offer, then we have the sales purchase agreement. Then typically we do escrow. We fund that. Uh, again, we covered escrow inside and outside of Costa Rica, depending on where the seller is and where people want the money. Of course, that doesn't stop you having to pay all the transfer taxes and all that. That's still the same. It's just the money doesn't hit here in Costa Rica, of course. Then we go through due diligence. And again, if all of that goes well, then basically you go to closing. Uh, and of course, there'll be, typically be the seller's lawyer and the buyer's lawyer, um, you know, kind of, you know, there. So um, I think that's it in a nutshell. Have we missed anything? Um, the important one that everyone misses after the sale, yep. right? Because I think, and unfortunately, the attorneys, I think, for the most part, don't do a good job of, of supplying the information after the sale. So there's, there's a few things where I always encourage to, to check with your attorney after about three weeks after, do a follow-up, and just get the, the, the letter from the registry, getting the documentation, showing that the property has been registered into your name or corporation. So just get that. It's always good to have. Don't just assume that they're going to do it, right? Because the, the way it works is after closing is when they go to, to register the, the property. Um, so that's something that's good to do. And then get all your ducks in a row. Find out, talk to your attorney, say, okay, um, now how do I pay my taxes? And I have a corporation. Um, what do I need to file every every year? When do I do that? And how do I do that? So really, you know, electricity. Now what? Do I switch that over my name? How do I do that? So all of those transitional questions. I think sometimes everyone gets so excited. You know, they ah, I'm in, I'm done, wrapped up, that they forget. Yeah, there there are some some responsibilities of of owning property that you do need to be aware of. Yeah. No, hey, I mean, it's like most things, right? It's like having a baby, starting a business, you know, it's all exciting at the beginning. And then, you know, once you're actually in the day to day, you're like, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, well, and also setting up a bank account, you know, I think a property management company could probably help with kind of a lot of that. Um, you know, if anybody wants to get a property management company involved, Um mm -hmm. But also is, I mean, in your experience, I mean, how long does it take for the actual registry for the for the property to now be in someone's name in that transfer? Um, I usually say three, within three weeks. I mean, yep. I, I think most attorneys are probably, you know, doing it pretty quick. I don't know how long it actually takes to get filed and whatnot. Yep. 
but within three weeks, it should be there. It should be filed. Awesome. Well, I think there's been great information uh, on, on that process from start to finish, but let's just change gears a little bit and jump into the hacker area. Uh, I know that that's where you live. Uh, again, the Central Pacific is where you where you do business, but how would you describe HACO to anybody that's listening uh, to the podcast? Um, so HACO has its reputation. It's gritty. That's the best, I think, word that I use to describe HACO. Um, if you are looking for perfectly manicured, a little bit on the snobbish side, you know, all your sidewalks, it's, it's, it's a gritty surf town, right? You're going to see a, you're going to see a crackhead on the street. You're going to see, um, you know, some people that, you know, for some people might look threatening. They aren't, but, and, and it's just not perfectly pretty. And it's, I think the difference with Hako versus some of the other beach areas in, in uh, Guanacaste is we have more of our influence of San Jose. We have more of that Central American urban look. Um, but I think that's the appeal of it. I think there's a people, as crazy as it sounds, that they like that grittiness. They like the more of the hipster, hole in the wall, not perfectly polished type look. Yep. So, um, so that's something that... I think you you have to be able to embrace, um, and you know obviously we have a reputation of there is prostitution here, right? There's drugs here, and if you're looking for that, you're definitely going to find that. Um, I don't think it's in your face. However, um, I think it's important to bring up the transition that we are making, and it, I kind of stutter, right? Because with COVID. It's, it's kind of hurt us in a way where because of the hours of operation for some of these establishments, it's kind of pushed what maybe you would see at one in the morning or 12 you know, midnight to seven o'clock during those dinner hours, yep. right? And it's unfortunate. It is what it is. Um, so I think that doesn't hurt with our image. Or, I mean, it does hurt with our image, um, but... The good news is, and I don't think it's reflective of the changes that we're seeing in Hako. And since I've been here, the amount of developments and projects and, and communities that are refraining from those type of party guests and bachelor parties and things like that, almost everywhere in Hako now, they do not allow unre- like unregistered guests. Yeah. So you're not going to see that from a rental standpoint. And the dynamic has changed where the type of buyer has changed, right? Before in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, you had the divorced single older guy, right? That was coming down here and wanted a couple girls on each arm. And you, you had more of that demographic. Now they're our age, right? With families and, yep. or they're, they're just not looking for that. So I mean, I bring my family to Hako. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, and, and it's shifting that way. It really is where when you go to stay in Tres Regalos or, oh, you're not going to see it there. Now you're not going to see it at this place. You're not going to see it there versus before you would see a rental here and there that would allow it. Yeah. Well, my sense is it's also very, should I say, you know, it's, I said it's isolated, meaning it's pushed into one area of, of, of HACO as well. It's not that you're going to see it everywhere, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, HACO again, I mean, with HACO Walk, you know, a lot of investments, great restaurants, you know, it's a bustling town. I think the word gritty is definitely a word to use. 
again, I think in any place in the world, you know, if you're looking for it, you can get it. Just I think it might be a little bit more obvious there than in other areas of Costa Rica. I mean, you see a bit of it in Tamarindo, but I mean, you definitely hacker is probably more the pronounced, you know, when of, of, of seeing it. Again, during the day, you're probably not going to see anything. But as you mentioned, seven, eight in the evening, you might start to see some of it, um, you know. Uh, and then again, towards the midnight hours, of course, then you definitely, you know, will. But you know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, again, they stay on the exteriors and they come in and they eat and then they go out. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head there. There's a lot more families moving in. And I think ultimately that's probably going to be pushed out, um, you know, in the long term. And, and, and more than anything, the best analogy I make is it's kind of like um, going to a busy restaurant, right? So, so when, when things are busy, you might not notice, oh, that table's dirty over there and, and things don't stand out as much. So yeah. that's what's happening with Hako is that it's going to get drowned out more. So yeah. it's always going to be here, but it's not going to be as, as prevalent. And the other thing too, is that <clears throat> I think people forget that, <clears throat> excuse me, no problem, right? Like if, if Hako is not for you, Hako is just the hub. So yes. you got Los Sueños, right? You've got Hermosa, you've got Estorios, you've got Punta Leona, you've got Nativa. This whole region offers something for somebody. So if you don't want that grid, if you do want perfectly manicured, great. Los Sueños is right there. And yep. that's a great selling point for us. Hako is a great selling point for Los Sueños. So the diversity in the region of property types and, and areas is definitely a huge, huge benefit. Well, and it's also the closest beach down to San Jose. You know? Yep. So an yep. hour and a half, you're in Hako. Yeah. And, wow. and, 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 the, and the value, right? So I think we do, um, so, someone, someone hit it, I think, perfectly. They said it just the other week. They said, man, I think if we got rid of that that crowd completely that i i think properties would go up 25 percent tomorrow i mean and it, happened I do, it happened what would happen in tamarindo i mean you know a yeah. condo is four five hundred thousand dollars yeah and i i think that is a reason that reputation is what keeps our values a little bit low but if yeah. anything that presents opportunity i mean if you if you can handle it and you feel like man that's really not that big of a deal then you're, you've got an opportunity to get great value. And man, once things, as they improve, it's, it's only going to show more upside. So let me just ask where you've personally invested in Costa Rica, um, you know, over the past couple of months, and where do you see yourself investing in the next 12 to 24 months? Because I do know that you have some personal investments in Costa Rica. Man, I, I probably should chill out for a bit. Um, <laughs> Last year, I, I bought quite a bit. I bought a couple commercial properties. I bought a couple um, little one-bedroom vacation rentals. Um, one I'm renovating. And I, I kind of want to get one more. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm looking more for the same. Like I'm looking at another one of that and then a, a little commercial property. Yep. So for, for me, I, I'm still maintaining my, my, my bullishness on rental yielding properties, especially affordable rental yielding properties. Yeah. Um, I just feel like you've got upside, you can't go back down. I, I like cash flow. That's where I'm focused on. Hey, I'm with you, man. I mean, and there's no point in holding asset unless it produces cash flow sometimes. So I, I like, personally, I like an asset that also produces cash flow where I can ride the appreciation and also get some cash return from it. So um, I think you just answered it, but I'm going to ask you, if you did inherit $500,000 and had to invest it into a business or real estate in Costa Rica, what would you do with it and why, David? 
Yeah, I'd probably go, man, I'm personally, I'm kind of bad. I, I like volume, right? So I like to buy, if I've got 500, I'd rather buy two or three properties than probably buying the one property. So I'd probably stretch it out and go with what I've been buying in my portfolio and kind of go with more of those little properties. That's just me. Um, but you could definitely make the argument that, you know, some of these premier properties at a good price. I mean, there was one I really like that's on a six floor stunning ocean view. I mean, it was at 390. Um, I mean, something like that. I, I think anytime that you can get unobstructed, great premier ocean views in our market, yep. you're not going wrong, right? Because it's, it's such a premium here that I, I don't think people understand to the extent of how limited the stunning ocean view properties are. If I'm correct, is Hacko Beachfront titled? Oh yeah, yeah. Which Absolutely. is not that not often to see. <laughs> you know, a friend of ours actually bought a bought a beachfront lot there uh, and is building a home, and I completely forgot that a lot of that beachfront is titled. All of it, all of Hacko Beachfront is, wow. is fully titled, and and that's even if you buy something on the beach in Costa Rica, it's hard to still get the view, right? Yeah. That that the the, the the thing is to get the view, you've got to get elevated. So to, to find a spot where you can hear the waves crashing, because all these other properties up in the mountains, you're yeah. not going to have that proximity. It's a different type of view. So it's very, very rare to have that, you know, tower type view and be on the sand. Yeah. Well, just for the listeners to understand, title to concession, title is, of course, you actually own the property, meaning it's got a title. Concession is you're basically renting it. Um, from the government, typically on a 20-year lease or seven-year lease, depending on like how you do it. But of course, most people are going to want to hold it in a corporation with a 20-year lease. So, but anyway, David, this has been amazing. Um, I really appreciate your time. Very insightful. Um, I think again, Hacko has, you know, you guys have got some new product coming online here, some new pre-construction stuff. Um, again, I think it's a good thing sometimes when you're running out of inventory because it's going to drive the prices up, but we shall see. Um, and I'm sure that we'll have you uh, on the uh, podcast again. And anyone that wants to contact David, I'll put all of his contact details in the description. Awesome. Good talking to you. And yeah, um, I'm sure we'll see you here in Hako pretty soon. You do for a trip out here? Probably, probably. No more bachelor parties for me now. I think that was the last friend to, uh, to get married. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, hey, pleasure, Richard. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Hey guys, great podcast there with David Carr. Again, we've had him on a couple of times before. Um, just people love his podcast. I can see by the downloads and also the comments. So I thought I'd get him on there again. Some great information there on the process of purchasing here in Costa Rica and also the HACO area as well. Uh, that's J-A-C-O, guys, not H-A-C-O. J-A-C-O in Spanish. J's become basically H's. So um, anyone that wants some information on HACO, feel free to reach out to David. You can also reach out to me as well. I'm very familiar with the area. I'm always passing through uh, or actually spend a lot of time in Los Sueños with the family, playing golf there in tournaments, um, usually charity tournaments, just because I'm not good enough to pay, play in a real tournament. But anyway, anyone that wants to get in contact with me, uh, would like to explore uh, anything at all. My email is info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, again, my name is Richard Beckson, here to help anyone that needs it. Uh, until the next episode, guys, I will, uh, as we say, love you and leave you. Thanks very much. Bye.